I got it. Okay. Parshas Korach. Now, Parshas Korach is from the most baffling but very riveting stories in the Torah. The basic storyline is Korach, which is Moshe's cousin, a very prestigious, learned, wealthy man, and he basically stages a revolt against his cousin. He tries to say that Moshe and Aaron are uh, are uh, kind of like you know being self-serving, and we got to get them out of being in charge. And Moshe deals with it in an incredibly patient, tolerant way. And ultimately, what happens is an incredible ending that um, uh, Korach and his uh, crowd end up getting swallowed up by the ground. And miraculously, it's like it's like those new things they have today. You you press the button and it suctions everything off the floor, and that's what happened. Korach and his crowd, wherever they were, it was this gravitational um, uh, pull that uh, that uh, just pulled them into the ground. So anyway, so that's the basic storyline. So let's talk about a few points. So what was Korach's claim? Now, this is so relevant today. You're going to hear the claims and you're going to think that this happened in 2022. What's the uh, claim? It says that uh, they 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 gather around Moshe and they said to Moshe, you know, who are you to be in charge? This is the... All the people are holy. Kulam Kedoshim. Why are you being in charge? Anyone is deserving. You're being you're being self-serving. And what Korach did was he tried to fool the people by starting off by showing them that he was he was trying to protect everybody. He didn't say, Moshe, why am I not in charge? He said, Moshe. Why isn't everyone in charge? And that's that's the way you get people behind you. You make them feel like you're out for them. But the uh, but Zorashi brings the famous medrash that says that Korach couldn't care less about everybody else. Korach was jealous that he didn't become the prince of his tribe, and a, his younger cousin became the prince, and he was jealous of Aaron that Aaron was the high priest. And we learn from here, we learn from the Medrash, that when you see someone, you have to, not that you need to be neurotic and not trusting of anyone, but if you see someone who's rallying the troops and saying how they're, how it's not fair, how people are being treated, you got to ask yourself a question, is this person someone who's really out to help us, or are they not? And the truth is, is that this story it makes it show you how it shows you how beautiful, in general, our Jewish leaders are, because all the all the red the red flags, which uh, are you see from this story, are really things which are are generally a you know, vast 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 majority of the time are not there in our in our uh, in the leaders of the Jewish people. But uh, we should see this, you know, just just really, you know, we always talk about relationships. You know, there there there's things to look at. Uh, for a person to learn from.
So is actually there's a uh, a line in the Torah this week where we learn there's actually you know people think they're religious you know if you don't you have to keep kosher and keep Shabbos but one of the mitzvos in the Torah based on this week's Torah portion it says below you you're not allowed to be like Korach and his and his group so there's a commandment to not fight we all do but in the same way that we try not to say Lashon Hara, fighting itself is is something which is uh, which is wrong. Now you can have disagreements, you can have discussions, and it's important. But the, to, to have something when it turns into a fight, now one thing we it's very helpful. We'll try to decipher from this week's Torah portion is what's the difference between a respectful disagreement and a fight. So we do know that there is an exception to this, and it's not really an exception, but it seems like an exception. We do know that a person is, if they are for the sake of heaven, we see in the ethics of the fathers, it says anything that is for the sake of heaven, that's okay. Now, it sounds pretty dangerous. Anything can be for the sake of heaven. So what does this mean? So the Yaris Devash, we mentioned Ibshitz, brings down a, a number of examples. And we see that it certainly does not mean our petty fights for the, for quote-unquote, for the principle of the matter. So he brings the Gemara in Kedushin, which discusses famous verse that where you have, discusses people who are learning Torah. And if you've ever walked into a vibrant study hall of a yeshiva, a lot of times there could be screaming and strong talking and 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 it's it all in the boxing ring of studying Torah where there could be two people and the Talmud itself is actually talking about a father and a son but really two people who are really really they're both on the same page they really both want the truth and they're it's nothing personal and it, the, the Talmud says about such people, if they do have the fight, it, it could be a very passionate fight, but if everyone is not out for their, themselves, they're out to do the right thing, and they actually become closer. It says they fight in the gate, and they become beloved. So that, that but, that's a, but that, that's not a simple thing, and a person has to ask themselves if that's the case. If you can walk away from the conversation loving the person then you know then you're probably in the right way but if you you are don't like that person anymore because of what how they think or act then that's that that's not for sake of heaven sake of heaven means you don't care sake of heaven means you want the principle of the matter another incredible story is uh zatamani yavamas discusses the mishnah where it discusses there's a famous two one of the most famous Jewish academies in history, you have the House of Hillel and the House of Shammai. And if you study Mishnah and you study Talmud, you will see that they argue hundreds and hundreds. They always argue. But the Mishnah says, and then sometimes these arguments in Jewish law had massive ramifications in, as far as 
uh, a different practical outcome. And the, even despite that, the Mishnah says that people in Beis Hillel, they all were very religious, would loan their pots and pans to people from the other Jewish yeshiva, even though there were times when one one group of people say what the other person says, that's not that's not to the proper level of kosher. And they would say that's not to the proper level of kosher. But it says they still shared pots. And then it says, and they allowed their children to marry each other, despite their many, many, many differences. So how can you do that? The way you can do that is that I don't have to agree with you, and you don't have to agree with me, but if I know that we love each other, I can trust you. So the point was, is that even though Beishamai and Beishil disagreed, let's say, a particular food or a particular thing, whether it was right or not, but since they were friends and they respected each other, Beishamai knew that Beishilel wouldn't serve him something that he wasn't comfortable eating. And this is an amazing thing. A lot of times there's tensions in many communities, in many families, where people, it could be a big thing. Are we going to eat together? Are we going to go to that restaurant together? Are we going to eat at your house or my house? Can we have a potluck? And really we see from, this is this is an old discussion. This is a thousand of your old discussion. And the, and the appropriate thing is that is that people need to be respectful of other people's preferences as long as they're reasonable. And if in the same way that, you know, let's say I have a higher level and someone says, I want you to eat in my house. Well, one second, you're asking me to do something that, that you know I'm uncomfortable. Maybe that's not nice of you. <laughs> why, why am I any less... More, why am I more inconsiderate than you're more considerate? But really, everyone should just be considerate. Everyone should try their best to make people feel, unless it's something bad or horrible, obviously. But with you know, in generally speaking, everyone should try to be respectful of everyone else's positions and preferences. And if everyone's trying to do that, then then it doesn't matter. You can disagree about everything. You can, this, it doesn't really matter what you think about things. If you actually like the other person and you love them, it's actually irrelevant what they think or feel about any, any topic. Unfortunately, we know that that's not very far from the reality, and, uh, but we have to do our part. Um, one of the big problems in this story was there was the tribe of Ruvain which was camped next to the tribe of Levi. And the tribe of Reuven, a number of the members there, got schlepped along with this whole horrible rebellion. And the famous line in the, in the Ethics of the Fathers where it says, Oi l'rasha, oi l'shreino. If, it's, if something, woe unto the evil person and woe unto their neighbor. Uh, we have to realize that we are impacted by who we hang around. Now, sometimes we're stuck, but a lot of times we, 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 we can d- control who we hang out with. And even if we're stuck hanging out with them, we can be aware of it and minimize the impact. And ultimately here, it was a very sad ending because 
people weren't mindful of Oyle Rasha, Oyle Shechenu. So in Ethics of the Fathers, it, 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 this, this story gets uh, discussed. And it says, what is an example of a fight that is not for the sake of heaven? And it says, the fight of Korach and his people. And the commentators ask, why doesn't it say the fight of Korach and Moshe? Wasn't the fight between Korach and Moshe? Why does it say the fight of Korach and his people? His people were on his side. And I saw an amazing thing. They said this was the only time in history where it didn't take two to tango. It was completely one-sided. If you look throughout the story, Moshe never lowers himself to the fight that Korach is trying to draw him into. And this is an incredible thing. There's so much to learn from this. One thing to learn from it is that if someone does engage us in a fight, it's very difficult, but we don't have to get into it. We can stay above it. You're, it's, it's very difficult, um, but a person can do that. But the other thing is to realize that we see the commentators say this was the only time in history when it was completely one-sided. Every other fight since is always everyone has a piece of the problem. Now, it could be one person is more of the problem than the other. But if we are at all at fault, if we take responsibility for our piece of it, often that can set the whole motion in the right direction. I heard once that a tactic once, if you're in a fight with someone and you're stuck and you really feel the other person is majorly at, at fault, that a suggestion is to think of, is there anything here, even very small, is there anything here that's my problem? And if you take full responsibility for what's your problem, and you say, you know what, I'm really sorry, you know, I said something earlier, and it really was just, 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 just not nice. And even if you don't agree about the whole rest of the thing, but when one side sees the other person taking some sort of responsibility, it often sets off a chain. And that is an amazing thing to think about. Rabbi Schwab points out over here another point from the Mishnah. Why does it say it was the fight of Korach and his group. And Abshimit Schwab points out that the reason why it was called a fight between Korach and his group is because there was never a discussion. Korach had no interest in listening to what Moshe had to say. So you can't, you can't call that a fight between Moshe and Korach because there was no give and take. Korach talked and talked and talked. And never listened to what Moshe had to say. And that is obviously a very important thing to think about when we're stuck in things. And uh, that we need to recognize we're in it. And we have to at least hear the other side. Hear the other side. They may still be wrong. But hear out the other side. In fact, sometimes we think, you know, how could the truth possibly be any different than... Um, uh, for than the way I see it. 
And the Talmud says a famous thing, the end of Tractate Brachas, it says, is a special blessing that you say when you see 600,000 Jews. And the blessing is that we thank Hashem, you know what? You make so much wisdom. That's basically the blessing. And the, and the Talmud explains what's the, what's the wisdom. At the same way that if you look at the 600,000 people, nobody looks exactly the same. There's never been a human being that's an exact clone. Look around. People, no one looks exactly the same. So it says, Just like their appearances are not the same, No one looks at things the same way. There's no such thing as looking at things exactly the same. And therefore, we need to uh, realize that we there is another way of looking at it. Doesn't mean we're wrong. And um, and the famous thing, Rabbi Shlomo Eger, Rabbi Kiv Eger is, I think, his brother. He said that I don't care if you look different. Um, the same way that I don't care that you look differently. Like, I don't care if you're blonde and I'm a brown hair, you're red. So why should I care if you have a different way of looking at something? It really shouldn't matter. It really shouldn't matter. And that's uh, that's a sign to, uh, not easy, but something to think about. Another thing that happens, the Ramban points this out, is that Korach really is kind of late on the game. Korach... Um, Korach, basically, what were his complaints? That the prince, his cousin became the prince, and Aaron became the king, the, the, the priest. That was a long time ago. Why is Korach waking up in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere, with this stage? Like, what, what preempted? And the Ramban says a fascinating thing. And this is uh, really based on the, um, I think it's based on the Rukhman Lovitz, that... Korach wanted to stage this thing a long time ago. But you don't rebel against the president that has 100% popularity. You wait till someone's down, and then you go in. When our own became, Aaron Cohen, you know, the Jews just started the Mishkan. Moshe had just saved the Jewish people. It wasn't a very, it wouldn't, people wouldn't have listened. But if you look in the past few weeks' Torah portions, things are not going that great. Jews keep getting in trouble. There's lots of complaining going on. Korach says, perfect timing. I'm going to take advantage. And this is something that happens in Jewish history all the time. When things go bad, someone takes advantage and jumps on it. And we have to pay extra special attention when, to, for timing. When something is being brought up, you can ask yourself, why is this being brought up now? Is it really uh, covering up for a different issue? Or, or are we trying to, to, to find a scapegoat here? And for ourselves, a lot of times, you know, we can find ourselves complaining about something. And often that's really could be to avoid an issue that we really have to deal with. Uh, it's very easy to complain. There's always something to complain about. But it's uh, a lot of time. It's just a way for us to divert our attention from something that we really uh, need need to deal with. Um, Rabbi Ruderman, the, uh, the founder of Neir Israel Baltimore, points out a really interesting thing about human behavior. 
He points out that in this week's Parsha, Moshe, after this whole event, so Mo, God really finds it appropriate to really establish Moshe's credentials as a completely selfless leader. And one of the things that it talks about is Moshe clarifies that he never accepted a favor from anyone. He did not take advantage of his office. He could have. And I'm sure the Jewish people would have gladly helped Moshe, but he makes a claim that he never took advantage of his office. And it's interesting because today, on for the past 500 years, rabbis and leaders, public and uh, community, religious, political, are paid. Which means that all our leaders today, we have some sort of, we can't, we, we do take from our constituents. And the question is, um, you know, why is Moshe doing this now? Why is Moshe pointing out this contrast that, you know, Leaders often take, I don't take. And the Rudiman points out, based on the Hassam Sofer, that often when someone is not nice to me, it's a subconscious reaction that I am trying, I feel beholden to you. And I want to, I want to, I don't like feeling that way. So instead what I'll do is I'll come up with a reason why I don't have to be thankful to you. Is often why often why the people who I should be most appreciative towards and the most nicest towards is a human behavior that makes us not want to be as nice to them as we should. And the Bruderman one time said that um, some, when one time someone was treating someone not nice, and he said, "I don't know what I ever did to the person to cause them to hate me so much," because it was so clear in his mind that people push back because they don't want to feel uh, beholden to someone else. Now, how is this practical? It's very practical because we should be aware that we shouldn't become frustrated with other people who we feel should be grateful towards us. Thinking, oh, you know what? After all I did for that person, why are they not appreciative? This could happen with family, could happen with friends, with neighbors. And really, Rebruderman is telling us that that's human nature. You cannot expect when you give to someone that they're going to be grateful. And often it can be helpful with ourselves. Sometimes we're wondering, you know, one second, why am I always so negative about that person? And often if you check yourself, it could be you actually owe that person big time and you don't like that feeling. So you just, you, you distract yourself and say, Oh, I don't like that. And lastly, since this is human nature, that we don't like to feel beholden, when you do a favor for someone, when you do help someone, try to make it their best that they don't feel like, oh, man, I owe you one. I'm sure we've all gotten a favor from someone and then afterwards said to ourselves, you know, I really would have rather have not gotten that favor because now I feel so yicky about it. So when we do favors for people, we try our best to make them feel like, ah, it's all right. It was easy. You know, I'm not, you know, uh, you don't, you, you don't owe me one. Uh, most people don't want favors if they know right attached to it is like, now I owe you one. Uh, there are many people who don't take favors for that reason. They don't want to feel that way. Uh, one last idea. 
the Chavetz Chaim goes off on this Torah portion about not fighting. And he says, what is this thing about fighting? Why do regular sane people can go off the rail and start saying things they don't mean and waste time and money and energy and who knows what? What is it? And he said, there's a piece of us we want to be right. We want to be win. We want to be victorious. And he said it's it's scary because people do things that make no sense. And the Chavetz Chaim says a story. He one time in a community he saw there was a fight and it got really ugly. And 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 the, the, the people weren't talking and the people's kids weren't talking and it was just horrible. And the Chavetz Chaim felt he had to get involved. Chavetz Chaim, can you imagine the Chavetz Chaim took him his time to, to break up a fight? He comes to one of the parties and he says, you know, we got to stop this fight. Look, you, 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 the kids, the family, the communities, the person said, I, I will become, you can bury me alive, but I'm going to win. Because win, winning isn't everything. Winning is the only thing. The Chavetz Chaim said, we all do this sometimes, right? Famously, they say, you know, um, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Right? Do you want to be right or do you want to do the right thing? And uh, not very hard, very, very hard, not uh, not an easy thing. A person shouldn't get all neurotic and feel, uh, you know, like, like they're less than because they get an occasional fight or even it's, it's part of part of life people it, it, it happens but a person you know has to constantly be working on on doing a better and better job and the best time to work on it is when you're not in the fight so just took a review we talked about tonight talked about how Korach made pretend that he had anyone's best interest at heart and we know he had his own interests at heart with ourselves, we got to watch out when we're saying a particular issue is the issue. Often there's another issue. We learn there's actually a mitzvah to not fight. And we learn how, how properly to fight. The proper way to fight is you can have, I can disagree with you. I can think you're wrong, but I can love you anyway. I can actually love you even more because I'm not loving you because of what you think. I'm loving you despite what you think. And you can actually, in, in Torah learning, you can you can both care about the truth and you can really become very close to someone through engaging in an argument with them if you both are trying to get towards the truth. We learned about the danger of having, of having a bad neighbor who you associate with, and you certainly don't want to be that bad neighbor. Sometimes a person may not be motivated to change on their own, but if they realize they're impacting someone else, uh, many parents, this gets, it's amazing sometimes you see parents who grow with their children because they, 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 they don't want to slow down their kids. I've seen this many times. You see people who grow because they want to, they don't want to impact someone else. And that's an amazing thing. Um, we learned that with Korach, it was unusual that it did not take two to tango. Korach was completely at fault and Moshe was not. But every other fight, everyone's got a piece of the problem and everyone own up to their piece and a lot of good things will, um, 
will happen. We learned how the same way that people look differently, they think differently, and that's very helpful because a lot of times you think, you know what, it was so not nice what that person did because how could they possibly do that? And people really, really think differently. Really, really, really. The more people you meet, the more you see how people just, just go about things in a very different way. And it's it's really not personal. It's just, it's, just, it's just different. Or sometimes it could be inappropriate, but not as bad as you thought it was. We learned from the Ramban how Korach took advantage of trying to, to take uh, when people were low and not, not happy, he brought up an issue. You got to pay attention when when issues being brought up, then ask yourself, is this really the issue? Is there really something else going on here? We learned how a person has to realize that sometimes when a person is not nice to someone else, it's precisely because they feel beholden and they don't want to feel that way. We want to make other people feel good and recognize that people aren't treating us properly, that, that it could be it's precisely because they owe us one. And lastly, we learned how how it's a uh, person just has to realize the insidious ridiculousness of fighting and just about winning often. And it's really it's it's, it's a thing that we all have, and um, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter if you're right. It matters if you do what's right. And you want to be happy. Most of the time, you won't need to be right. So. Now, the wonderful Shabbos, hopefully this, in fact, should be a peaceful Shabbos. And uh, thanks for coming on.